0: My guest today is a remarkable leader with an even more remarkable history. Elizabeth Tovar was born in Venezuela, educated in Florence, Italy. As a young woman, she was a semi-pro golfer. She's a pilot, a serial entrepreneur, and just about one of the most engaging and magnetic people you'll ever want to meet. In 1992, she co-founded Turn Laces International Agency in the Dominican Republic with a vision of stratifying the meeting industry in the Caribbean. In Elizabeth's own words, what I love about the meetings industry is the economic spread that goes right down to the smallest players. Amen to that, Elizabeth. Today, Elizabeth is also the president of COCAL, C-O-C-A-L, the preeminent conference organization Association of Latin America. When we last spoke, Elizabeth Tobar gave me three pieces of advice. DMOs must transform. Tourism must be more relevant to the local economy, and we need to find the right visitors for the right reasons. Over the last two decades, Elizabeth built a thriving meetings practice on those tenants, and now, more than ever, they are signposts on a journey we must all take as destination organizations. Good morning, Elizabeth. How are you? Where are you? What's it like?
1: Good morning, David. I'm uh, right now I am in the Dominican Republic and uh, we uh, are having a happy time because we are coming back. We're coming back. We just uh, got news from the government that uh, that uh, are we are on phase two. Therefore, we are opening uh most of the things that we have, and uh, our meeting industry is going forward. So uh, I'm happy.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you. You're always happy, Elizabeth Tovar. You you emanate a happiness and a a joie de vie that we all share and 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 it's infectious um dr dr has been known so well as leisure and transient tourism destination for so long but you saw something else and and take me back to the beginning of your whole personal um, journey towards the meetings industry because you you literally sat back coming out of university out of your master's program and thought about what you wanted to do why the central caribbean why the meetings industry
1: well, the Central Caribbean was because I came to play golf. And suddenly I figured out that the people here were extremely different and 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 extremely uh hospitable. So I thought this was a the perfect land to establish and and do something different. Um why the meeting industry? Well at the time, um, I met uh, a wonderful person from the Dominican Republic. She was very knowledgeable in the leisure business and the operational part of it. And uh, she was coming out of a, a, an airline uh, that was transforming itself and let her go. and i said, how how come you don't do something in the in the in the tourism business?" At the time, I had that, uh, uh, shadow gray area of uh, not knowing the difference. And uh, she said, well, let's, uh, let's get together. You show me uh, how do you, how to do the, uh, the business uh, and I'll show you what there is in tourism. But uh, looking at the business here, I, I saw about 5,000 travel agencies. <laughs> and I said, no, 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 one more. Is not possible. So let me see what we can do. And I found in my research the meeting industry at the time it was it was not known as today. It was something uh, very subtle, thirty years ago. Um, I think I made a mistake, but the mistake made me work harder. The mistake was that I, I thought about the meeting industry and getting into the meeting industry, but we had no no a place to gather. We had no uh, meeting spaces. We had no convention centers. And worst of all, our investors in hotels didn't know anything about the meeting industry. So I think I made a mistake, but then the dialogue started and things started to change. And I found myself involved in this fantastic meeting industry and in a country where there is every possibility to do whatever it, you want to do in the meeting industry. So
0: when you started Turnlaces with your partner and, and what was her name again?
1: Her name was Maria Rosa Mela. She, uh, unfortunately, she died 10 years later uh, out of uh, cancer. And uh, and, But she left me all her knowledge. Her her knowledge was impressive, impressive.
0: When when you and Maria start this, what year is it?
1: That was 1990. So it's uh, 31 years ago, 31 years ago.
0: 1990 sounds like a tremendously progressive time. But I have to say to you, having worked in South America through the 90s and the 2000s, um, two women striking out to create a new industry in a world that I'm not going to say it's, you know, it's completely run by men, but it was certainly dominated by men. What were you two thinking?
1: I don't know. I I think it was, uh, uh, we were not thinking really. Uh, We thought we were thinking, but uh, it went well. It went well. Uh, And of course there was an ingredient. We both are very, we both, she was very resilient and so am I. So uh the mistake had to be corrected (laughs) so here we went
0: (laughs) well and and i I look back at it after after you know many times talking to you and i say well you know as a as an aviator and a golfer and and a gourmand i don't think you knew any better you just decided you know you were going to zero in on this and succeed And, and succeed you have let's let's talk about dr today um there is a shift towards the realization, you know, as Moragas says, if you build a place that people want to be, then you build the places that need, businesses need to be. For sure, there is a meeting component that has evolved very well on the back of the leisure tourism piece. You talked about hotels and facilities. How does the how does the makeup of the, um, uh, the meeting resource, how has it changed over the last 15 years in, in Dominican Republic? There are a lot more meetings than there were in 1990s.
1: Well, it's very, it's, it's, uh, it, it's uh, wonderful to see that nowadays uh, you have most of the hotels that are built here um, are, have uh, convention centers, uh, most of them. And we also have a couple of convention centers who uh, th- that are very appropriate for the, for the island because they can hold up to 3,500 people uh and that uh, that's a good start I am looking forward to seeing a convention center in in the island which I have heard that we're coming up with so I'm very eager to see what the future is uh bringing us but I think that we have a sufficient uh, space to create a, and to to thrive on a on a meeting industry with what we have right now
0: well, you certainly personally have been helping drive that agenda forward since the 1990s um you're now the president of cocal we talked earlier and you said you've come off a very successful and very encouraging cocal meeting i think in the last just last couple weeks what did you see what's got you encouraged what do we need to know
1: well the first thing is that we thought we would not do it because uh everybody was uh, telling us that we were crazy that we wouldn't Uh, have any anyone to assist, no one to contribute, no. And and suddenly we see people getting into and joining us as a as with with whatever. Here are the audiovisuals, here this, here that. And suddenly people like Simple View and someone North Star and, and, and Amy Calvert and Adam Sachs and and a lot of uh, wonderful people were coming in. Even the uh, the association meeting, because we brought some uh, medical um, association presidents uh, to have a discussion with uh, compliance. So we started seeing this uh, this little pine tree grow in a, in a as a big tree. And I wouldn't say that it's. Uh, much, uh, that we had a a huge event, but we had a really a quality event where um, the quality was uh, brought up by the uh, conversations the discussions that we had and that would uh, certainly permeate into Latin America and uh, uh, to every country in Latin America. And of course, this COCAL had objectives goals and objectives and uh, our goal was to educate and that was accomplished our goal was to permeate the government uh, in order to get them to see firsthand what the meeting industry represents to leave that uh, uh, that idea that it's only tourism And not an industry that uh, promotes uh, development and and uh, that uh, really creates uh, jobs and and has an academic uh, significance uh, when you have meetings in in the island. And so that was accomplished. And finally, we wanted to have some networking around and I think uh, many people benefited from the networking. And the business uh, of of getting together again, so uh, it, that was uh, my measurement for success.
0: Okay, so let's talk briefly about getting together again. So there was some in-person meeting as well as some virtual meeting.
1: We had uh, around 160 people, and um, which uh, which I think it's huge for for the amount of of. Uh, of uh reluctancy that uh, at, at the beginning we had uh and those 160 people were mostly uh pcos and for the first time hoteliers they were interested and for the first time government uh executive so uh, the the three vice vice ministers were on hand and uh Everything just uh, was uh, amazingly, it, it worked out very well because everybody understood what this was for.
0: So so speak to that for a second. Um, prior to the pandemic, I know you've worked very, very hard to build that kind of traction and alignment and to um, bring the right people to the table, so to speak, at CoCal. Um, you're talking about a meeting that's happening you know sort of 18 20 months into covid and in a sense the crisis has helped galvanize us and maybe even helped get the right people in the room a little more easily than before
1: yeah you got it 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 was an opportunity it was the right opportunity at the right time even though it was not perceived that way but it it worked that way it would work that way i think we got the leaders of the industry we got them here, and we got the leaders of the government, uh, the local government, and we got uh, uh, stakeholders. Uh, the whole alignment of stakeholders were here, so I think it was. Uh, that's why I call it a successful meeting in every way. But I think yes, the pandemic uh, was a, a catalyzer in, the, in this uh, in this event.
0: Well, you talked to me and you've talked many times in the media about this idea of tourism or the visitor economy must be relevant to the local economy and i'm sure that was a, a major theme as 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 vice ministers come together with hoteliers we're all looking at the same thing which is our visitor economies have been drastically altered and we want to build them back but you also talked to me about wanting to build them back different and better you you have a vision for that talk to me about what you see when it comes to the visitor economy
1: well you see david uh, i think we have been uh, uh, blinded by the fact that we count uh, our success on headcounts like uh, we're very successful because in an island of 48,000 uh, square kilometers we get uh, 6 million people but I think we have never uh, uh, sat back and analyze what we're getting in return. So I think that that is an important thing that we must change. We have to analyze whether we want mass tourism or, or we have to reevaluate our goals. And because we have such a fantastic island, because we have a fantastic product, then we have to sell it as a fantastic product. And uh, um, the re evaluation of that includes the meeting industry. Why? Because I don't think we're getting what we're worth with our leisure tourism. I think that uh, the, um, how should I put it, uh, that it, it doesn't uh, create uh, a lot of buzz, but I think. At the time of the, uh, of the colonies, um, at the time of the colonies, I think uh, the, the old world was willing to come here, get the products and trade them and whatever, and, and the new world wouldn't get too much. I think we went back to that, uh, <laughs> to that model uh, with the uh, mass tourism. And what we're getting is a lot of uh, visitors, a lot of tourists, but we're not getting the return on investment that it should be getting uh, from that area. So what does the meeting industry represent? I'm not saying that we leave aside the tourism business. I'm just proposing another industry, an industry that can bring up an, an immense a number of startups, uh, uh, an economic uh, platform that creates a lot of uh, return because that is the way the model for the meeting industry works. So when I say, for example, that we're not getting sufficient return is that, for example, uh, when you have a vertical operation like the leisure business. And we have most of our leisure business in the Dominican Republic is, is uh, from, from the old world. Uh, They have their own planes, they have their own uh, hotels, they have their own uh, uh, tourist uh, DMC's and uh, whatever and everything is invoiced in the old world and we get only the little thing that they want to give us to pay probably the, uh, the employees or when I'm talking about the meeting business, we're talking about an industry that mainly has to depend on the locals. So yes. everything is done. Every economic move has to touch locals. And most of them are small business and medium business and those small and medium businesses are mostly from women so you are touching a huge amount of people with one simple conference
0: so so when i i think i in talking to you i i called that tourism imperialism and you corrected me you said it's it's probably more like tourism colonialism and I, and i i very much respect that insight i think that that's completely valid there is no question that in destinations where we don't leave enough on the table, tourism isn't sustainable. There's some great lessons out of Europe in the last decade on over tourism. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think you, you've made a really interesting distinction here, which is you can have over tourism when the numbers aren't, aren't stupefying. So you can have 6 million visitors. That's a great number, but if the right, kind of tourism, as you said, and you said this earlier, the right tourism for the right reasons isn't in sync with what you want for your visitor economy, then technically that's over tourism, isn't it?
1: It is, because after all, you're putting a a number of heads. You know, I I think they treat uh, tourism as cattle ranchers. Uh, (laughs) Forgive me for this. You know, you cannot count heads. You have to understand what the business is all about. And if you have a mass tourism where you're depleting uh, the uh, 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 aquifers uh, and you're depleting your ecosystem and you live out of that, then you should reevaluate what you want. I think we should reevaluate, first of all, the return on investment, secondly, the damage of a mass tourism in a country, and thirdly, what is it that we're worth? Uh, so, so, this is something Elizabeth, to reevaluate.
0: Elizabeth, is that the discussion that's happening at the COCAL level? Are you talking about those things as as a group of interested individuals? Are, are t- hotels looking for better yield versus more yield? Are governments looking at sustainable tourism? Or is that discussion starting? You talked about a successful COCAL. Did you talk they- about those things?
1: We did talk about those things although they weren't they were focused on the meeting industry but we we did talk about that. We did talk about the, the, that that uh, the meeting industry is not uh, we believe it's not a segment of tourism we believe it's a business platform which by the way creates a lot of tourism but the right kind of tourism I mean if you get the right kind of tourism you get... You get all the benefits of the right kind of tourism. First, you get, uh, you get uh, people that are knowledgeable, cultured, and, and they are willing to respect the environment. Secondly, you get uh, a lot of uh, money spent in the, in the country, which creates an economic growth. Thirdly, you get knowledge because most of the people that come here are leaders of the world in their specialties and that is transmitted directly to our own professionals. So I think that uh, one of uh, the meeting industry is really, really, uh, maybe industry on its own that creates tourism and not a segment of tourism.
0: Well, and I, I share that. view. I would articulate it a little bit differently. I'm nowadays looking at the visitor economy and having a hard time. I'm, I'm cr- purposefully creating for myself a hard time differentiating between the leisure traveler, the educational traveler, the business traveler. They're all visitors and they're all part of the economy. I will tell you my personal experience, especially in South America, um, places like Caracas, places like uh, Bogota, places like Sao Paulo. I cannot tell you how grateful I was to be traveling as a business person because I got to see those places with an immediate, with an immediate, um, clarity when you're a business traveler, the veneer of tourism uh, kind of goes away and you get plugged right into what people are doing, how they make their living, how cities works. And I loved for years traveling on business. I think I still think it's, it's a phenomenal thing because it's so crisp, um, I think it's different than traveling as as as, as, a, as a as a leisure traveler, but at the same time, I think all of those things are part of this thing we're starting to call, you know, the visitor economy. No matter which form it comes from, you're working hard in the meeting segment. You said you had a co cal that was objectives focused. I know you. You're a doer. You 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 are a great maven in terms of linking people together to start things but you like to do what were the priorities coming out of that meeting what actionable things did those people go away with that we need to do in south america to realize a vision where meetings contribute to the economy the way they do in your vision
1: the first thing is key it's that you have to stop thinking individually you have to think uh, in cooperation with, in uh, linked to, stop thinking individually, it doesn't pay off. And we uh, have uh, that uh, model of thinking individually. So the second thing is that we have a lot of, uh, we, we, don't, we don't like to give ideas. We are like, uh, we are followers. We, we don't like to submit ideas. We might make a mistake, but we need to give ideas. We need to be disruptors. We need to get out of the box. And uh, Latin America has been conformist. I think uh, we have a great product. We have a great destination in Latin America um, with a lot of pluses. But we need to start thinking that we are great. We, we put ourselves down all the time, you know that David. Uh, but once you start reshifting your your mind and start thinking that we have a great product, we can learn to create that great product for the rest of the people that don't know us. So they that's talk, very a priority. They-
0: they talked a lot in the eighties and nineties about the emergence of Latin America as a as a global superpower in terms of innovation and ideas. And I was excited by that. And I got to spend time working in, in, in Latin America during those years. It's interesting. We seem to have shift uh, shifted as a world economy back to a consumer-based economy. And the 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 real issues we're having about world dominance are are based on consumption. They're based on China and the U S and the, you know, the ability to, to create different fuel systems, but it's still consumer based. I felt back in the nineties in South America, that the discussion we were having was about a, was about a greater way of being and living and doing business. And to all of our peers, anyone who spent time in the Caribbean or South America, it's a different way of life. And it's a wonderful way of life, isn't it?
1: It is a way of life that I I like very much, but we can still shift our our minds and go in a better way and still have a great life. I mean, I I think we're afraid of just going out of the box. Uh, We're afraid of uh, making our own uh, destinations free to create. We're always following the big ones and following the the other models. Why don't we create and make ourselves... uh, a unique destination with unique products. Uh, there's some uh, Latin countries that are doing that. But I think in the majority, we still need to work a lot. And especially we there's another thing that we have to work a lot with. And it's the understanding of the stakeholders. We right. do not talk to each other. We do not talk sufficiently to each other. We have uh, maybe hoteliers talking on their own and then we have PCOs talking on their own and the government is completely on their own. Why don't we sit down and talk to each other and make things uh, work a lot better. I think Cocal was a, a successful because we sat down together. We sat down together several times and and it was amazing what it, it made. Uh,
0: but I still see I still see those. I, I hear you about the, you know, sort of being stuck in a in a rut, but I also see some great thinking coming out of Latin America. Talking to you, talking to Julian Orzoco Guerrero, the Vice Minister of Tourism out of Colombia, talking to Michael Nagy at the um, at the uh, Fairmont Copacabana. I mean, ideas like stop owning your own content. Um, you know, um, uh, the Vice Minister for Colombia is completely taken with the idea of shifting the narrative of Colombia. I mean, these are progressive people doing progressive things that is exciting to see coming out of South America. isn't it? I, I think you might be able to leapfrog a lot of the destination management development that we've been sort of bellyaching here for almost a decade and a half and go right to the idea that you know, tourism is not about advertising. It's about creating a narrative that you share with the world that entreats people to be part of what you do. I think in some sense, if you can skip the commercial part of that, you might be able to jump ahead in the fact that a little bit like when we were working in television in South Asia in in the 90s, we kept waiting for them to have cable TV, and they didn't. They skipped it. They went straight to satellite TV, and that that changed the game. I think Latin America, I see you looking at the opportunities, and and I'm encouraged that you look at the opportunities. And where you see vestigial things that didn't necessarily have a lot of value, then then eschew them, throw them away, and move on to the things that are working. I see a lot of that
1: well we have to find uh, other means of of developing ourselves for example we i think we 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 are always uh, having a crutch and the crutch is the government we need to we need to start uh, uh, leaving that crutch and start acting on our own with with all the stakeholders and going forward and there's a lot of uh, of of crutches that don't have to be crutches that they're, 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 things that can help you out. I was talking to, to my friend, Rebe Beriochoa the other day at Cocal. And she was explaining to me that the many options that we have, uh, uh, qualifying better, better qualifying the people that come over to the, to the uh, meetings, uh, better qualifying the fam trips, uh, uh, getting those people the right way. Um, uh, sending a message and content that it's right for them. We have been going all over doing things that are not targeted to anyone. It's uh, you cannot target the world. You have to target the market that you want and, and the way that you want to be seen. And, uh, and I think there's a lot of uh, of that. Uh, I was talking to Claudia Davila too. Uh, with uh, uh, and uh, we need to shift into professional. Uh, 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 how do you say? Uh, herramientas, uh, uh, tools. Uh, tools. Professional tools instead of shifting always to the government tools.
0: Well, good, and and I'm really encouraged because there is a precision and an insight that we have these days that that's our choice. If we, if we look for it, it's there. Um, or we can go back to very broadcast version of sharing our story. So I I'm completely encouraged by what you say. And if, and if you're having those discussions, I would say the thing, I always say that, you know, will William Gibson said so well, the future's here. It's just not very evenly distributed. Those tools are there. We can find them, we can use them or we can go back to the plow. You know, we can look for the tractor, or we can go back to the plow.
1: And there's another thing, you know, I think most of us think that the tools are, a, you know, that are out of our budget. One of the things that, that talking to Rebe and talking to Claudia and talking to Amy Calvert, uh, we found out is that tools, there are a myriad of tools for every budget, but you have to grab them. Don't sit down and wait for the for the world to, to take over, because you're going to be in the end, yes, uh, in yes. the tail of everything. You have to be the best, and the best needs to have tools.
0: Well, and the tools, I would remind everyone, based on what you're saying you may have looked at these tools three years ago and they were ungainly and they were difficult and maybe cost effective the rapid pace at which we've developed been developing digital tools in this industry is remarkable if you go back and look at um customer relationship management uh, software if you go back and you look at social media um, targeting if you look at assessing the strength and digital health of a destination all of those tools are front line now and they're in the low thousands of dollars Four years ago, they'd be, you know, 10, 50, $50,000, $100,000 tools. So another thing is to remember that just because you looked at those tools and they were prohibitively expensive, the pace of change in digital means the cost scale decreases on a logarithmic basis. They're probably quite a bit more affordable today than we thought they were when we looked at them three, four years ago.
1: And talking about that, there's another issue. And you were, you were talking about immediate things to do. We need to measure the, the importance of the meat industry in Latin America. It's been measured very poorly. Only a couple of, uh, of countries are measuring that uh, in a serious way. We need to measure it as a region. We need to come up with those numbers so that we can talk head to head with the government and tell them, although we're not asking for your money, we're asking for your support. And we need strategy, and we need action. And the only way to ask them to do that is if we show them what the meeting industry is.
0: I am so glad you brought that up, because the metrics we need, they, we just don't need more. We need better. And I'll, I'll tell you a great example. When we talk about the tourism economy pre-COVID, it was hard to get any sway with the argument that the tendrils of the visitor economy reached into everything. Well, when you turn the tap off and there is no more visitor, it becomes imp- apparent very, very quickly that the visitor economy had far many more opinion points in our lives, in our cities, in our civic infrastructure than we ever thought. So it's not just Latin American meetings that needs to look at those measurements. The rest of the world is hard at work looking at the same thing, saying, we probably under-evaluated under, under uh, evaluated the impact of the visitor economy. For, For years I've been working with restaurants and hotels in in Canada. And when you talk to them, you say, what percentage of your business do you think is visitors? And they say, I don't know, nothing not too big, 15, 20%. But if you take an economist view, then you sit down with them and say, well, what's the profit margin of your business? Well, most restaurants will be significantly below 20% and probably well below 15%. And so you look at it and say, "Okay, so the visitor economy contributes an amount that's greater than your profit margin. How important is that?
1: (laughs) And that's the reason why we have to measure. Uh, And that's the reason why we have to partner all together and contribute to that. I have to admit that uh, we're very poor in in the Dominican Republic uh, measuring that, even the leisure uh, that we have been so successful, quote unquote, because of the amount of visitors we have had, uh, we have not measured anything that has to do with what we get from that kind of a tourism.
0: We're, 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 we're at that lucky point where we were counting money in piles instead of units.
1: Well, so uh, I think that this measurement has to be seen as a, as a tool, uh, as, a, as a, something that has to be done urgently. It's a number one priority for all of us and uh, for the meeting industry and for the leisure business. And once we measure, we will be able to reevaluate what our goals and objectives are.
0: Well, and there is a ton of data, extant data, that we can start with. We don't have to wait to develop a program tomorrow. We can go backwards and look at it with a different lens and discern a number of things that you need to know right now. So we need that measurement looking at our historicals, and we need to use that same model going forward. I, I totally agree. All right, we're, we're getting to the end of this one. Um, I want to oh. give you a chance. Uh, I'm so <laughs> sad and I am so sad. I want to give you a chance to bring up any key thoughts or ideas that have been on your head that, that you need to share before we finish this out. So anything you want to share, anything you want to say to your peers around the world. And remember, we are all in the same boat and uh, I find it helpful every day to listen to leaders around the world. Remember, they're listening to you. What do you want to share?
1: Well, the the first thing I want to share is something that I was uh, that was given to me by the uh, 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 Brazilian Academy of uh, of uh, meeting the meeting industry. Um, The Brazilians told me, you know, we have come to the conclusion that the meeting industry is not a segment of of the uh, of the leisure, uh, the tourism. We, we need to convince the World Tourism Organization to change the name and to add the word meeting to their name. So World Tourism and Meeting Organization. I think it's my first proposal because we need to, to, uh, to uh, get this uh, awareness out. The second thing is that I urge the governments of Latin America to measure the meeting industry. The meeting industry is humongous. And you know who measures the bigger countries. And that's why the bigger countries take good care of the meeting industry, because they know what is in store. We have to measure because it's big for us to only that we don't know it. Uh, the third thing is professionalization. We need to get certifications. We need to study more. We need to get to be aware that this is a global industry. And we need to be on top of our education in order to be there. So uh, with that, uh, I, I I just want to thank you, David.
0: So Elizabeth, for... I want to thank you. Um, it's great to talk to you um you're such an incredible human being um i wish everybody could have the discussion we had about your past and what it was like to go to school and learn to fly planes in the in the 70s and 80s um i met so many people around the world over the last 18 months that i would not have met if it wasn't COVID. and and i got to tell you for that i am truly grateful i'll tell you a funny story though i ended up at destination international annual convention in baltimore and more than once met a person, um, had a great big hug, said, It's great to see you. And and the one young lady I, I was I was talking to said, Do you realize we've never met in person? And I looked at her, you know, we just had a big hug and I said, You know what? It never crossed my mind. I it, 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 and I'm shocked. I would have thought, you know, you would you would succinctly remember everybody that you met digitally and everybody you met in person, but this person was there, and I was sure until she said it, of course we've met in person. So I so look forward to meeting you in person. Um, you, you've been an inspiration. I love the work you're doing, and I know your peers do. But uh, that day when we can we can shake hands and have a cup of coffee, I'm still looking forward to that.
1: I'm looking forward to that too, David. I'm sure we have a lot of things to talk about. So we, we thank you do. so much for this uh, time. Thank you on behalf of Cocal, and thank you on behalf of the media industry.
0: Well, Elizabeth, thank you for everything you've done to make this a better industry. It's people like you that that make this a great a great industry to work in. Thanks.